Blog Talk Radio.
Uh, teasing one another. Oh, you can't make it. You are not good enough. We would like to depart from those kind of politics because I think that uh, the Zambians are hungry for a, you know, a type of politics that, you know, suggests solutions to them of how they are going to get out of the, the mess they are in, uh, as, as opposed to just laughing at each other, your convention was not successful, look at the color of your shirt, look at, you know, it's unimportant. We want, I, I am com, I, I'm very convinced that we can do politics differently. Let, let, let's expound on that point, uh, Bishop. Not on on uh, I, the issue of politics of morality. I know one of the things that Dr. Mumba uh, believes and stands on is integrity. Uh, well, what strategy do you intend, what strategy have you not intend, have you employed, are you going to employ, have you engaged, because I know for one thing, you are not going to buy beer on your campaign. 
That's true. We are not, we are not doing that. <laughs> so shall we that elaborate on the morality, integrity way of doing politics? What's the strategy? Well, the strategy is uh, straightforward. The first one is that, uh, look, we, we will have to lead by example. There's no way you can pitch such, such a high call and live contrary to what you are, you are, you are speaking about. So our, we want to lead by example in terms of our lives, that uh, our families are, are connected to our, you know, our appeal or our call for government, um, our way of uh, doing things that we are accountable in our private and personal lives. Mm-hmm. That is the most important thing. Uh, because if we do not you know, um, uh, live out our, our message, the people will not follow our message. Uh, secondly... We want, uh, in, in order to, to deal with uh, or to roll out integrity and morality for a society, you have to, um, you know, literally uh, fall on the arms of justice. So one of the things you will see that's prominent in our crusade is that um, we value very much the statutes. Um, and, and whenever we have a conflict, we have tried very hard to go back to court for interpretation as opposed to taking matters in our own hands in the streets and, and, and sort it out. There seems to be a new, uh, you know, a, a new phenomenon in, in politics right mm-hmm. now in our country where um, you know, people think that there's a difference between politics and justice. So if you go to court, they'll say something like, no, this is a political matter. Why should it be settled by the court? Oh. We, we, we want to introduce to our people the idea of the sanctity of the statutes that we have made for ourselves, including the Constitution, including the different co-equal uh, uh, branches of, of the state, and so forth. And so the idea for us is to ensure that we live as we have agreed. Uh, so it's not just our, about our lives, our lifestyles, but also about uh, respecting the norms that we have agreed to live by as a society. And most importantly, you know that um, Zambia has been declared a Christian nation. Yes. And a few things have evolved uh, out of that declaration 30 years on. We want to, um, um, our, our way, our strategy is to use uh, the, the declaration and all, you know, all these uh, things that uh, you know, emerge from it, including the strength of the church, the strength of our ministry and all that to show that um, it, is, it is possible for a nation to follow God and see the light. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, for us, is a, is a critical strategy uh, for morality and integrity. And so I think, basically, it's modeling. We want our lives to be a role model for others to follow. Excellent, excellent. Uh, one of the issues that have emerged during this political process for all political parties, not just the new Open MD, is the, 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 the candidacy of the party presidents in all the political parties. I need to clarify that so I don't want people to think that I'm trying to victimize your party. Yeah. Yeah, the, right. Dr. Mumba became president of MMD in May of 2012, yeah. which is nine years right. ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't his is where, where there are technicalities there in terms of limits of the term of office, because from yes. 2012 
the next time you're having a convention is 2021. Um, yes. So are any technicalities in terms of his limitations of the term of office? According to what does the Constitution say about that? Yeah, the Constitution says that uh, we, uh, the MMD will go to a convention every five years. Okay. But it also provides that uh, the National Executive Committee will decide uh, once that five years has triggered it, the National Executive Committee will decide when it's best suited to go to a convention. So one of the things you immediately see in, mm. in, the, in the history of our party is that therefore we've never really had a convention on the dot, five years on the dot and had a convention. All, right. All of them are either four years or six years, uh, depending on the circumstances that prevail at any given time. Now, the Dr. Mumba scenario was a very interesting scenario. Firstly, the decision had been made by the National Executive Committee mm. to hold the convention in 2017. And we did so because we needed to cure a problem that had emerged in the past of two terms within the same executive body. It had really never occurred before. But because now we were relegated to the opposition, what happened was that we had a mandate running for the National Executive Committee, which started in April of 2011, which basically needed to finish in 2016. And we had a mandate for the president that started in 2012 because the sitting president had resigned. Mm-hmm. Now we have a new president whose mandate started in 2012. And this mandate was going to run all the way to May 2017. So in the wisdom of the National Executive Committee, we agreed that um, let us defer the holding of the convention to uh, 2017 for a very simple reason that uh, when you deal with uh, uh, the rights of people, you know, the, 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 the leading all the time, or, or the idea all the time is to give rather than to take away a right. Mm. So it was going to be easier for us to extend the term of the National Executive Committee rather than to take away the term of Dr. Mumba, because that would create legal problems and all that. So um, it is that, that decision that actually prompted our other colleagues to run riot and say, no, we are going to go to a convention, and they went into some illegal arrangement in 2016. Okay. So having gone to court in 2016, uh, we now could not operationalize a convention because the, the discussion in court was about a convention. So we couldn't go into a convention uh, when there was a, a suit on the convention. We needed to dispose of that case before we went to a convention. So it is very well understood in our party. Nobody is losing their sleep about it. We know that uh, uh, our problems, you know, our party was encumbered for three and a half years, four years in court. And so we are okay having gone to a convention. We are very glad that we went to a convention in 2021. Okay, excellent. I, I like the phrase you used to say it is well understood by the party members and the leadership. Nobody's losing sleep over it. However, Bishop, those of us looking into the situation, yes. not yes. just MMD, all the political yes. parties have exhibited the same. The, the question is that it raises concern 
mm-hmm. about when you take the realms of power as a party, people are like, we might begin to see you fidget with the constitution to ensure your candidate stays like we are experiencing now with the war Eddie Galungu. And yes. you remember uh, former President Chirua also tried to do a third party, a third term B. Yes. Those are the concerns. If these things can be seen at party level, what would stop you when you become the party in power to begin to fidget with the constitution? Let, let me clarify for the MMD. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, we are not one of those parties anybody can accuse of either being afraid of going to a convention or tampering with our constitution. Okay. Because the, the MMD is the only political party in this country that has gone to seven different conventions. Not even our predecessors can, can, can boast of such a number of uh, conventions. So we, we, we have a culture of going to conventions. We're not afraid of them. Uh, even when we were, we were going into the 2017 uh, convention, mm. there was no issue. For us, there was no issue of uh, uh, Dr. Mumba either, you know, staying or, no, or, or, or being the sole candidate. That was not a problem. In 2021, this last convention, um, we, we went with the same old constitution from before. And uh, the way the MMD organizes its elections is very interesting. For us, elections start 20 days before the actual convention. Okay. You, you wish that it could be different because you want to tie up loose, loose, loose nuts. But no, in the MMD, you start 20 days before the actual convention. You state your candidature. You open it up for others to come in uh, and, and lodge in their, their nominations. Only that this time there was nobody um, who was, um, you know, willing to contest at the presidential level. And that is our camp. My position was contested, very fiercely so. I only won by uh, 28 votes. You know, that shows you that it was a hotly contested convention. So, but I agree with you. Um, I recently did an article in which I, I was bemoaning the idea that um, we have lost our path in terms of democracy. Because, um, yes, uh, many of our, our, other, our colleagues in the politi- on the political front are doing things that are inimical to you know, democracy. Elections are, are being trashed in other political parties. They, they don't even manage to uh, hold elections. It's either... If, if they are holding elections, they are choosing in a very strange way. Mm-hmm. And, and the question is, can they then respect uh, national elections? And so I do share your, your sentiment there. I just wanted to make sure that MMD is excused from that uh, sort of uh, uh, issue because we, we really don't have an issue with elections. Okay. Well, a point well taken. You said, is that seven conventions you said? Seven conventions. Oh wow, that's 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 a a, a good four different track. presidents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good track record, and we shall see. The question this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever you are listening or watching, is can the MMD bounce back into power? And our guest is uh, Bishop Ruben Sambo, who is the vice president political for the New Hope. 
MMD. You, you have uh, my next question, Bishop Sambo. Is uh, you, you've touched on it a little bit. I, I just want you to uh, explain, take us through how delegates contest positions to the National Executive Committee. Uh, we just, uh, how did the process happen? Considering that it was also a virtual convention, nine, ten different locations. How did you do it? Well, um, you know, firstly, uh, the process is uh, well prescribed in our constitution. Okay. Like I say, uh, the MMD constitution prescribes that you first appoint a commission for elections, which we did at a great cost, um, and, and they, they, they take position. Who appoints the commission? The National Executive Committee. Okay. Would you mind telling us who this commission, was, which was appointed, was? We are saying at a great cost. Yeah, it's a forum, a forum for democratic process, a very credible organization okay. in Zambia that has been here for nearly 30 years uh, running the, the election business. I think everyone uses them. Uh, so they are, they are, quite, they are credible. Uh, so having appointed commissioners, you then, the constitution demands that you place an advert, uh, internal and external, to invite uh, candidates and you disclose all the positions that are available to the National Executive Committee. Mm-hmm. And so we had um, somewhere around 30, 34, 35, I forget the number. Okay. So you publish an actual advert and uh, people then uh, apply. I want to be chairman for agriculture, for example. I want to be chairman for mines. Yeah. I want to be vice president. That process is allocated 10 days in the Constitution. So in that 10 days, people are applying, they are paying nomination fees, and uh, the commission is uh, taking note. At the end of that process, 10 days after you open that process, the process then closes. Uh, if there are people who are unopposed, the commissioners simply say, we have received X amount of um, applications. Mm-hmm. These have no uh, second candidates. So uh, they will then declare those candidates unopposed at the convention, but they inform you. They then also tell you the contested positions. And uh, once you know, for example, I know that my position is now contested. So what happens after that is that we get into another 10-day period for campaign. Uh, You start campaigning, uh, and because it was a virtual convention, you needed to produce little videos, you needed to pitch your message to everywhere, speak to chairman, try and get them to... to, 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 uh, disseminate your information, why you think you're the best candidate. You, you do a, 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 a campaign like that mm-hmm. to the last day. Uh, and then uh, the election takes place in those particularly contested uh, uh, issues. Now, in terms of delegates, again, the, con- the constitution uh, of our party clearly stipulates who can attend. So in this particular case, um, we seg- all, all the segmented uh, uh-huh. places, we met at one central place. So the people from the furthest points came. We had to facilitate them uh, financially to move from wherever they are, whoever was a delegate, 
And I have to tell you, we had one, nearly 1,600, 1,563 delegates in our convention. It's a record number. Nationwide. Not in, nationwide. Not even the Patriotic Front managed that feat. The ruling government only managed to get, they published their, 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 their numbers just the other day. They only managed to bring together in a segment, because they also did a segmented one, 1,100. We did 1,560. Um, I think the UPND were less than us as well. So here is the point. Uh, we are still the leaders in democracy in our country. We, we follow the rule of law, and we try to be sticklers to the procedures that we prescribe for ourselves. Mm. Okay. Okay. Interesting scenario right there. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's an interesting process. I, I guess... Uh, the, the new the new Hope MMD is is, is ready to to take office again. Are we? We shall. We, we are let, waiting. Let, to... let me add. Let me add the small thing. Uh-huh. So for them, uh, the election commissioner yes uh, then has a presence in all the ten locations. They have they the, an officer in all. They the... have three officers at okay. every. A, a position, yes, uh, so that they monitor the election at that point. So it's not our party officials managing the election in other places. It's still the elections commission, which manages all our elections in the ten locations, and they are the ones who are responsible for announcing the results. Okay, interesting. Looks like MMD's got its act together here. And that's uh, <laughs> regard, <laughs> Impressive. One of the before I take any questions from our those who are watching, if you you can post your questions on our Facebook page, uh, Zambia Block Talk Radio, or you can those of you that are live on the radio just press one on your phone keypad so that we know that you have a question, and we shall take your questions. And those you can post them, and we shall uh, read the questions to uh, MMD uh, Vice President Political Bishop uh, Ruben Sambo. Uh, Bishop Sambo, one of the daunting exercises of any political party, and this one even raises some fights, arise uh, allegations of corruption uh, on the political party on the adoption of parliamentary candidates. How is the new Hope MMD addressing this issue? So we, we are already on the go um, around the countryside to make sure that uh, those who are applying uh, are, are doing it the right way. Uh, the way it works in the MMD is mm-hmm. that you actually um, invite, you open up the space and invite people who, are, who want to participate to come on board okay. and they write an application to their constituency and uh, if you have two three candidates in any constituency which we have quite a few uh, which are two more than two candidates um, then you set it there once you are complete so right now we are in the application stage others have already moved uh, along there they are doing uh, adoptions already uh, I think, you know, this week, Monday or Tuesday, we start our interviews at constituency level. And um, if, if you, you are the top there, we recommend 
two, three names to the next state, two, three names to the district, and then the province. And then the elections chairman, the chairman of elections of our party, mm-hmm. constitutes a subcommittee of the National Executive Committee to look at the candidates that have applied all of, from all over uh, Zambia and uh, then make a recommendation to the NEC, which is the National Executive Committee, uh, regarding those who have been successful and those who are preferred candidates or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Then they are, those are informed and they are given um, the go-ahead to go and uh, uh, make uh, their submissions to the uh, Electoral Commission of Zambia for onward process as uh, candidates in the election. Okay. In, 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 interesting process. Um, interesting process there. And uh, I can yeah. see that it's a very busy time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very busy time of the year. There are some personal questions I have for you at the end to do with the church, but I'll leave them, I'll leave them towards the end of the discussion. No we problem. have people who want to ask questions here. I'll go to my colleague. Those of you that are on Zoom, you know how Zoom works. If you want to ask a question, please just do that hand thing so that I know that you have a question. Let's go to Canada. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, good morning, uh, uh, Reverend, and uh, welcome to Zambia Block Talk Radio. I have uh, uh, one, two, yeah, I have one, two quick questions. Uh, number one, uh, how do you hope to address the issue, the issue of high unemployment uh, in Zambia? We uh, right now it's currently at about 60% youth unemployment. Yes. Uh, yes. What what is the goal for the first five years of the MMD uh, in in power um, to address uh, to address that number? Uh, then I have, I have a follow up question. Well, thank you. I think you are asking a question related to our manifesto and how we, we want we are proposing to deal with all these things. I'll just let you in on the fact that uh, this is how we line up uh, our program in terms of addressing ourselves issues, including um, uh, issues of unemployment. Number one, uh, we need to value our people. Um, There is no economy in the world that does any well if, in fact, does not place a specific and significant value on its people. Uh, in fact, any economist worth his salt knows that uh, if you eliminate the citizens of a country, you have eliminated um, um, a, an economy. In fact, what has happened you know, in that scenario is that you have already shipped your jobs to another people who are going to exploit your natural resource. So the MMD in power will, first of all, propose to Zambian people not just um, uh, the idea of, oh, we'll do this for you, we'll do that for you, it's about working with our people to make sure that our people build themselves up. So there are many issues that uh, we are hoping to deal with, including issues of uh, behavior change, issues of uh, um, character and culturation, and so forth. Secondly, in terms of just, and I'm just going to limit myself to the issue of job creation, there are so many um, um, pieces of uh, uh, dreams that the Zambians over the years have dreamt about for themselves. We want to do this, we want to do that. And they're gathering dust in uh, offices, you know, bureaucracies have, have kicked in. For the MMD, what we think is necessary is, first of all, 
Instead of reinventing the wheel, we will go to such pieces of legislation. For example, the decentralization policy, uh, the division 2063, um, 2030 and 2063, um, and, and pieces of legis- legislation like that, not legislation, pieces of dreams like that, and uh, give them life. Um, There is a thousand things that a political party like ours can do. And for us, the first starting point is just to make sure that first we give life to what we call the Zambian dream. What are the Zambians dreaming about? What life are they looking about? So once you discover it, uh, uh, which we have done, uh, then we say to all our, our Zambian friends, we are going to create the Zambia we want. So, for example, we want societies that are peaceful, okay? Neighborhoods and societies that are peaceful require that our people deploy themselves in creating them. Neighborhoods that are green and clean, our people deploy them. In just that, de- you know, deployment, you have created a lot of employment. I'll give you a specific example to just buttress my point. There is a piece of law in all our uh, local government authorities that says all residential communities, um, the frontage of their, their homes must be opened up. And it's a very simple example I'm giving you. Must be opened up, okay? If you come to Lusaka today and you drive around our communities, what you're going to see is that all our, 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 our fences are closed in front. They are all uh, you know, we've hedged in their prison. War fences. War fences. And all you do is just say to the people, we will, everyone is required to open up the frontage. And there's millions of jobs you create just by that one declaration is amazing. Because what will happen then is that uh, people will have to find hands to drop those war fences. People will have to find hands to create the, 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 the new, uh, you know, metal-fabricated bars to, you know, to create the new faces. And you, then you go into horticulture, you go into all these kinds of things. We have identified, uh, Roger, uh, that we will deal with uh, mining in a specific way, but it will have to be first Zambians. We'll have to deal with agriculture in a specific way. We'll have to deal with tourism in a specific way. So there are specific sectors that we have, um, we have identified. But most importantly for us, I think what is critical is to place value on our people and deploy them using uh, all the dreams that we have dreamt about in the past. Yeah, well put. Um, I won't let you go, uh, Bishop. I will still, will still push to hear your target, num- your, your target numbers. Let me go to the, to, to the next uh, question. Uh, the other issue we are pushing on this radio is opening up the borders. Zambia's right. biggest, uh, biggest uh, uh, trading partner is Congo, and yet mm. the Congolese uh, borders are military zones. Right. What is your position on the first 100 days? Can we see that border open up for trade? Thank you so much, Bishop. Thank you very much. No, for us... Um, that, that falls within the category of our dream uh, in which we are talking about uh, uh, looking at our systems properly. And, and we want to cut down on regulation. 
regulation is one of the things that has uh, um, stifled creativity for our country and therefore robbed mm-hmm. us of much-needed revenue. What you are describing, for example, at the borders, is a question of regulation. Um, how much does a person need to go through before they actually go to the other side of, uh, of, of, the, of the border to, to sell their merchandise or to bring in merchandise from there? Um, and for us, when we came, the first time we came into power in 1991, we found you know, a, a mountain of uh, regulation to the point that uh, the government would follow, you know, to know how much, if you have one dollar in your, in your wallet, the government must know about it, where you got it from, and so forth and so on. We set ourselves out to reduce the amount of regulation because we recognize that it is the first killer of uh, creativity and openness for a country. We dropped down to about 27 uh, in terms of just investment. We came down to 19. By the time we're leaving office, I think we're about eight, seven pieces of legislation. Uh, it was a bit better, and so we began to see the, the economy grow. We think that regulation sits at the heart mm-hmm. of making sure that you open up borders. So first 100 days, we will make sure that uh, the movement for more party democracy passes regulation that opens up that border 24-7. That okay. is very 24-7. It has to be open perpetually uh, so that you create, uh, it, it is a, an employment earner, but at the same time, uh, you, you are creating security jobs. At the same time, you are creating immigration jobs. You must remember that when we came into power, this country, every shop, every business house was closing at uh, 5 p.m. Yes. We came the very first week, we passed legislation and said, uh, you know, businesses can go on up to 22, 22 hours. They are going on up to that, that, that much for now. Many of our gas stations go on 24-7. We think that we need to pass reg- regulation that, you know, uh, first of all, opens our borders to be 24-7 passages. But secondly... Uh, legislation that uh, makes it easy. Uh, they are one-stop shops so that uh, a, a merchandiser does not have to do four, five, 12 applications just to pass a trailer through that border. It is our responsibility to ensure that our systems are working and working perfect. Mm, excellent. Uh, let me read the question Nathan, here. let me just say I'm uh-huh. so, so grateful our bishop for that answer. You've given us Thank a specific you. thing we are going mm. to look for, and it's a big headline. The MMD <laughs> will open the borders of the first 100 days with Congo. It will be open. Big, 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 big headline. We'll hold you to that. Our recording is being made. Thank you. 24 hours. Thank you. 24. Thank you, we love we look forward to that. that. Because, yeah. I mean, before, before I read Clotilda's question, Bishop, you are aware at the level at which you are doing politics, that just doing what you have said can have a great impact and effect on Zambia's economy, our trade with, with the Congo. Uh, it can yes. make a major difference. I always make this statement, and at times I sound yeah. like uh, I'm crazy, or like my grandmother would say, Wali Pena. I don't right. know what it, 
I don't know why African countries are so consumed, obsessed with doing business with America and Europe when we can solve these problems. When we problems have a, an open market among ourselves. 1.2 billion people. Yeah. 1.2 billion people. We can easily compete with China without a problem. There you go. All right, here's a question from Protude on Facebook. Can you shed more light on the narrative of putting Christians only in positions? Because there are many hardworking Zambians who do not fit your profile of Christians. <laughs> Protude, how are you? That's a very important question. Uh, no, in fact, uh, we, we are not insisting necessarily for Christians. But uh, the number of Christians uh, who are playing, uh, you know, in politics is very, very negligible at the moment. And we identify it as a real problem uh, for, the, for the sort of direction that the, the, the nation needs to take. When a person is a Christian, Clotilda, um, what happens is that they have held themselves ahead of time to a certain standard, which is basically the fear of God. Um, but I have been to homes of colleagues of mine who are not necessarily Christians, and I can tell you, you know, that they run their homes with integrity. They run their businesses with integrity. Such men and women are welcome in the government of the New Hope MMD, and we are not excluding anyone. But I can be also very clear about this, that uh, people with... uh, you know, uh, no standard, no, no standard that they respect in their heads cannot function in the new hope MMD because really that is what separates us from the rest. What separates us from the rest is that the idea of proposing uh, an administration of morality and integrity, uh, and Zambia needs it desperately. Mm. Excellent. Uh, uh, All right, let's. Let's allow Ms. Patricia to ask a question. Please go ahead. Um, thank you, Bishop, um, for giving us an insight of MMD. I'm talking as a Christian. I would like your take on two questions that I have. When you form government, will you have, the, will you have a minister of religious affairs? If you will, I'd like you to briefly outline what that role means to you, being a bishop, and MMD, the president, is a Christian. Because right now, what we're, seeing, what we're seeing with this government, we have a minister of religious affairs who's going out campaigning. I don't know if you've seen those videos, and she's campaigning, yeah. giving out money. Secondly, right. for me, that is, that, is not, that is uncalled for. And you, being a bishop and being a reverend, I wonder if you did talk to her, because that is not her role. Secondly, we have women being abused. Latest one, of, we saw a woman who was abused in her office by cadres. Being a Christian nation, what is your take on what role will your cadres play? Because if a woman was abused, you being a bishop, did you issue a statement on that? Did you also issue a statement when God Peter was distributing money, campaigning? Thank you. Thank you very, very much, uh, Madam Patricia. Extremely important questions. Look, um, Firstly, we will not have the Ministry of Religious Affairs. That I can state up front. Because uh, we, we do not think that you can institutionalize uh, faith. 
uh, the quickest way to create uh, uh, interfaith wars is to try and uh, institutionalize your faith one way or the other. Well, what happens to the Muslims in your, in your country? What happens to Hindus in your country? So, no. Uh, but the, sec- the important uh, uh, you know, proposition around that issue for us is the quest by the New Hope administration to gravitate towards a lean cabinet, a lean political cabinet, so that you do not have uh, you know, an overreaching, top-heavy cabinet. Mm. Um, we think it's, um, it's unnecessary. We think that there are certain uh, ministries that are duplicating um, the roles, and uh, they're not being effective at all. As to the idea of um, uh, the Minister of Religious Affairs, who I know personally, um, distributing funds on the campaign trail, we have been unequivocal. I think it's a misnomer. It's, uh, it's something that needs to be brought uh, you know, um, to light, and, and, and people must know that you know, she's misconducting herself in that regard. Uh, she's not being... Uh, the light that she should be or the sort that she should be at all. So we have been very, very unequivocal. And yes, we have issued statements uh, in the past. We've also been on uh, other radio stations to condemn those kind of things because I think that it takes away from our faith and from our drive, you know, as, as believers uh, seeking for morality and integrity. And so in the very same vein, I can tell you that we have issued very strong condemnation for those who harassed a, 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 a woman uh, for, you know, with an accusation that she was a political party operative. Uh, thankfully, the police this time have been proactive. Uh, we hope that uh, it, this case will see the light of day because it will send a strong message to political cadres. So we are now on to the next campaign ourselves, which is basically that let this um, action you have taken not be something to just uh, pacify the, the tempers of the people. But in fact, let's see uh, true justice uh, come, to, come to play. Um, in terms of our political party cadres, we have been very clear for us, and that's why the last uh, so many years of our New Hope administration, you don't hear us engaged in bloody wars at, at uh, you know political level, because it has been a deliberate policy of our administration to tamper the emotions of our cadres. We're trying to move away from uh, patronage to, you know, um, reasonableness. We want to move away from politics in which the only thing that is important is money and uh, insults and fights. We have proposed to our young people, as well as all our other supporters, that that is not the culture of our political party. For the MMD, the culture is very straightforward. It's ideas. It's what we are proposing to you. If you like it, you support us. If you don't like it, you give us other options. You say, no, you can do it better that way. You can do it better that way. And we check our, our balance sheet to see whether we are making progress. Excellent. Let's end with these two questions. I hope we can get to the last question, but this question is important. Mm-hmm. Um, if elected into office, what will be your key target areas, like let's say in the first 100 days? What will the New Hope MMD's priority issues when you take office in the first 100 days? 
Well, first of all, I think I don't know whether you have heard about a, a terrible incident, incident that happened just two days ago here in which uh, thieves broke into a, a church, found two young ladies who had been attending an overnight prayer meeting and killed one of them, and one of them is battling for her life right now. It has become commonplace uh, that the security of our country has been compromised. Mm. We are back to petty thieving. We are back to, uh, you know, uh, things of the sort, not to mention the big issues of uh, uh, corruption and people uh, earning more money, you know, make, apparently making more money than they really earn and all those things. So first hundred days, we will first of all target, number one, uh, the restoration of, you know, dignity for our people. That's key for us. We think that if your people have no dignity, you have no wheels to ride on. The second one is that we, we want to restore issues of security for our people and assure us that, that our people are secure to go about doing their business, uh, you know, engage, uh, deploy themselves, and whatever business they are doing, that they can do it uh, peaceably and, 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 and fruitfully. Uh, in the first 100 days, you can also expect that we are going to tackle uh, the tax uh, regime of our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think that it's, uh, it's not performing well. Um, we are going to deal with it and reform it so that it can be broad and it can bring in more money so that we are less dependent on, um, on um, foreign aid. We are going to deal with, obviously, the debt, uh, which has ballooned to, uh, you know, somewhere about 15, 16 billion official figures. We, we think that there are some unofficial figures that are even higher than that. Um, we are also going to deal, without a question, uh, we, we will have to deal with uh, the whole idea of uh, ensuring that there is a fast-track court system that dispenses justice. Because, uh, you know, there are many people in this country whose um, justice has been delayed, and there are many people also who need to come before justice. And so people have been in, 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 uh, in correctional facilities for four, five, seven years without being taken to, uh, to court. So we want to make sure that that's, that process is engaged so that those who need to be in are in, those who need to be out are out, so that the system is fair and square. So issues of justice are key to us, 100 days uh, in, in, in government. Excellent. A final question. I have like two minutes here. Um, I hope you can try to answer this in the shortest possible no way. Uh, this is almost in line with Clotilde. We have seen like never before Bishop Sambo, an influx of members of the clergy jumping into the political arena. Um, what is what is happening? And we are not we are not refusing that Christians <laughs> shouldn't get into politics. But to, to this point, some of the people listening to this may not even know the point I'm going to make. The general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of Christ is it Christ of God? The yeah. uh, the Bishop Enoch Adeboye in Nigeria has stepped down, right? Right. Yes, he has stepped down from that position, Roger. I don't know whether you are aware of this, Clotilde. So for mm-hmm. him to contest the presidency of Nigeria, we've never seen something like this before, Bishop Sambo. What is happening in one minute or 90 seconds? Well, I think what happens, what is happening, first of all, is that um, 
uh, when you are well, when you are a member of the clergy, yes, something happens to you. You begin to see clearly. We are not the first one. Um, uh, Habakkuk, if you read the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk had to climb down from the watchtower down to the to try and help fight it because he was seeing more clearly being mm. on top there. So I can understand why men of God, uh, you know, want to come in because they are seeing very clear. They are the first people to see injustices. They are first people because we, we are interacting with people. However, to your point, I think it's important that every man of God searches, searches their heart whether indeed God is calling them into the political process. Because sometimes, because of what you see, you think this is a calling. Other times, indeed you have a calling to go into the political process. So I think it's too early. We are still in the early days. It will, it will settle. I agree with you. There are so many men of God that are going into the political process. And for us in Zambia, thank God for Dr. Mumba. He, he, he cut the bush. He pioneered. He took all the, the rubbish on himself. And now it's easy for men of God to say, I can go into politics. But I truly hope that everyone going into politics has a calling. Because I also recognize that you can have a calling for government. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, that was our show and our guest, uh, Bishop Ruben Sambo. He is the Vice President for the New Hope MMD Political, and we do appreciate you joining us today. We hope to have more conversations with you uh, going into election time. Thank you, sir, for and have a great you. weekend. Excellent. Next weekend, we Ladies may have Electoral Commission of Zambia. Guest, uh, Bishop Ruben Sambo. He is the Vice President for the New Hope MMD Political, and we do appreciate you joining us today. We hope to have more conversations with you. there uh flores today we hope uh, yes how many days <laughs> like that uh, welcome to zambia block talk radio that was uh mmd vice president um 
that he has designed and manufactured for that suits the environment, which is you know the terrain of of, of, like of Zambia to be specific. But then if you look at that kind of, if you look at that kind of innovation, how many people would simply say, let's literally just close up on all these minibuses that we are getting from elsewhere and just look at buying them from this gentleman who is manufacturing them locally and is our own. You know, so we don't see that kind of, you know, that kind of drive a lot of time. So these are some of the things that we need to begin seeing right now. But the landscape is looking good. People are growing. Uh, organizations are coming up and they are trying their best. I think people are just doing trial and error. I must say that uh, some of them have tested the, the waters and they know what they're doing, but a lot are doing trial and error in trying to assist those who are so-called innovators. And I'll, I'll be able to talk about them a little bit more as we go on. Okay. In today's uh, discussion, we feature a young man. Uh, his name is Richard Turere from the uh, Maasai people in Kenya, uh, um, Gilbert. Uh, he made some very good uh, invention, and uh, then we will bring it to the, uh, the youth of Zambia, the youth of Africa, uh, those who are probably just seated home. Uh, there is something they have to, to offer. So let's, let's see this uh, video, and then after the video, we will do some of the things, we will discuss some of the things you have talked about. Sure. sure. All right. Big problem with the lions attacking our father's cars at night. Almost daily attacks on the community's livestock left Richard's family desperate. In the region, cows are the number one income generator for most families. Was there ever an attack while you were watching the cattle? Yeah, I, one day they attacked um, cows when I was when I was there and actually killed. Yeah. They never stopped coming. Richard was determined to come up with a solution to protect his father's cattle. He tried everything from lighting bonfires to scarecrows to electric fencing. Nothing worked. We tried so many things. One of them was this use of branches. Because we wanted to make a fence that when the lion comes at night, he, he would not be able to see the cows inside there. But it didn't work. And they would just step on them and then inside, go inside and kill the animals. One night, he made an interesting discovery. So I discovered that the lions would not come if someone is patrolling around. So I made lights that um, will actually trick them that somebody was walking around, but they were not there. And so the solar-powered lion lights were born. So the solar started in this battery. Richard figured out that by connecting LED lights to a solar-powered battery through an indicator from a motorbike, he could make the lights flash, mimicking a patroller's torch. So this is the... Oh, this is one of the line lights, yeah. Right. This is how the lights get tricked that I'm walking around with the lights. Because normally at night, when you walk with a torch, it looks like it's flashing. Because you're walking, your footsteps are making the lights look like it's flashing. It tricks the lens that you're always patrolling around and that time you've been in bed sleeping. So what did your parents say when they saw that you'd put all of this up and that it worked? I think their final word was they were just proud of me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Since installing the first set of lion lights over two years ago, Richard's family haven't lost a single cow to lion attacks. And that was only the beginning. News of his invention spread quickly. 
Furtis neighbors and then farmers across the country started commissioning Richard to install their own line lights. Around the same time, a group of conservationists from Wildlife Direct, led by Dr. Paula Kahumbo, were conducting research into line attacks on homesteads. When they came across Richard's remarkable invention, they put him forward for a scholarship at a top private school in Kenya. With the scholarship secured, Richard then pitched for a coveted spot at the 2013 International TED Talk Conference in California and won. Thanks. Uh, Gilbert, that is an amazing, uh, an amazing story. Uh, first, yeah. let, 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 some of the elements I pick up from, um, from that video. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you heard what you said. One day, the, the lion came and attacked the animals, and he killed the lion. <laughs> you know, I, I wonder what is the... Um, okay, you and me seeing a lion, you know what will happen to you. <laughs> we are definitely running away, and uh, that is, I mean, it's just a cow. You know, we... <laughs> yeah. Another one will be born, you know. Yeah. But, but I, but you know, let 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 me let me get back into into um, you know, I I, I having watched this video uh, several times and probably you know because of our conversation today, I I I, I was thinking the question you know stemmed up you know in, deep deep down inside me, and the question was to say that. Uh, uh, how you know because if you notice the people that we are doing this this video recording right now it's Al Jazeera, so yeah. and Al Jazeera is not a is not a small network you know it's a big no. big uh, news network. So I asked myself mm-hmm. a question: How did he get in front of Al of Al Jazeera? How did Al Jazeera get get to know about this news? I like now that. I'm asking I'm asking that question because I remember uh, for those of you who have been in Lusaka before. There's a place called Liwala, and around there there's a market. I, I must have been walking some four years ago, and I stumbled upon a young man who had, uh, had, uh, had, had made a small invention, a little vehicle of wires, but then it had a lot of mechanics that he had put around it that if he does something on his hands, it automatically would go into the soil, pick up soil, you know, like a grader. He literally invented a grader, with his own, you know, little spare parts here and there, little wires, little motors, all that. That's number one. Number two, I know colleagues as well have participated in events. I've mentioned to say that ecosystems are being created to try and harness some of these opportunities. But what I see as the biggest problem, most especially around the space of hardware solutions, like the one that this young man has just created right now, is that people are wild. We see them at what we call agricultural shows. We see them at, you know, different uh, youth events. They will showcase all these amazing things. And I can, I can tell you, I'll try and get these people one of these days to come and chat with us. But I'll mention that there's one guy I know. He mm-hmm. literally made a vehicle, a whole entire, a whole entire vehicle uh, right here in Osaka. And, and the guy is still in the, in the slums. How he is still in the slums, I don't know. Everybody knows about that innovation. Everybody understands how it works. It is used every single time when people are trying to talk about, you know, things that people are doing amazing things, the youth are doing amazing things. But I have never seen his innovation uh, reach a place where it can actually make a difference and probably make 
a difference for him as well. You know what I'm talking about in terms of right, financial. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so my question then is, how did this invention, uh, and uh, how did this invention by this young man, that is just, that is not new. And this is something I want us to understand. That that invention that young man has created there, uh, which is amazing because he connected dots, which is called wisdom, yeah. Uh, yeah. is not new. There is nothing complicated that he did. A bulb already exists. Yes. Solar power already exists. Wires yeah. already exist. But he used them on a problem that is being experienced by so many people. And there is, now to answer the question, I, you know, as we are watching it, I, 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 got that, I got that answer in my heart by God's grace, which is to say that there is another group of people. This young man uh-huh. would have done something amazing and he could yes. have died in the village with that amazing solution. Yes. But there is another group of people, which is, we see right now is that lady, the doctor and her organization, that found out that this young man is doing something great and took it to the world. She gave him a scholarship and the young man was, the, was able to actually apply for TED. And Ted brought him on stage, and the stage brought him on Jazeera. And today, you and me, who have never met that young man, are able to know about that amazing innovation. The question is that, us who are here right now, what have we done? What are we doing? Is there any activity that we've been able to talk about? There's a saying, Mr. Roger, which says that uh, if you would like to meet anybody in the world, there are only six people between the two of you. It's called the proximity. Mm-hmm. It's called a proximity rule. Between anyone you would like to meet in this world, there are only six people. Now, if we were to get any of those inventions that that young, that young man in Zambia are creating or anywhere else, there are six people between us and the chief editor at Al Jazeera. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, you know, like but that. then we need, yeah. To, we, need to, we need to harness these opportunities. We need to harness, we need to be able to make noise about it. That is why I'm glad that you know, you are talking about it, you are bringing it to light, and it's such conversation that probably uh, someone is yeah. here. I, I know there are so many important people on this call right now. Mm-hmm. They are seeing and they are hearing, and some of them, as people come through and share their innovations, I believe that probably uh, one day we will be able to see such kind of stories as well coming from this side of the, of, of the continent. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy you, you, you bring it in, in, that, uh, in, in that angle. Um, yeah. Bring him to the big stage. How did he didn't just wake up and on top of Jazeera they've heard about this young man. Not possible. Somebody uh, took him on their shoulders. He is a young man doing some mm-hmm. great things. Yeah. So uh, it is incumbent on us uh, who are in uh, in the towns, who are in the diaspora here, to start looking for these young men in the villages. They are doing amazing stuff. Um, I, I, I was in Solesi, I was in Solesi, uh, Gilbert one time. Yeah. Uh, in Foucault, what, what is in Foucault in English? Who knows mm. in Foucault? Miss Patricia. <laughs> These boys, uh, uh, um, Gilbert, they've made a trap. This trap was amazing, amazing, in the village, in Solesi. So we will, we will definitely yeah. uh, uh, work, uh, we will work on, on, on that to, to, to make sure. Perfect. Sure. Like, like you have pointed out, right, uh, pointed out uh, the, the wire, uh, something I also picked up from the, the video. I've always wondered, Gilbert, when I look at that video, if I could have, maybe I could, I don't know, if I could have thought of that. This, this boy, he looks at uh, the Honda, 
and he, he sees the way it flashes. So he says, yeah. what makes the Honda do this? He goes and finds that part to yeah. put it part of his network. I, I, I thought yeah. that was uh, amazing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I but wonder, is this? Yeah. I wonder, can, can, can I do this? But anyway, my question to that, mm-hmm. again, you, 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 you pose the challenge uh, to, to all of us. And I was thinking, um, I was thinking, uh, Gilbert, what, what do we need to do to make some of these components readily available for the youth, those who are either doing science in the school, are those in the villages, those in the compound? How can we make some of these transistors to make a radio? Is there a way we can, we can do it to make them available so that they don't have fear? You watched last week. He was going in the garbage, garbage bin to find them. Oh, maybe that's the best way we can do it in Africa. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think Fine. so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I equally don't think so. And uh, I would like to say that, you know, um, we, there's a saying that I, over certain things, I, usually, I, I, I don't agree with it, but uh, I, I would like to use it at this point in time to say that yeah. feed what you'd like to grow. <laughs> yeah. You know, which is to say feed what you'd like to grow. So, you know, it, 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 it comes from the story of a, of a child that he was talking to his dad, and the dad simply gave him an example to say, inside you are two bears, one which is a very angry bear, the other one is a very kind bear. So yeah. whichever you want to see dominate you, feed that one, you know? And, and uh, in, in my case right now, what I simply mean is that when it comes to the, to the, to, to the, to the scene, in, 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 uh, I'll be using Zambia to be specific because that is where I stay, uh, I would say that, we need to be able to come down and understand to say that these young people, first of all, before we can, they can make a transistor, before they can make uh, uh, a capacitor themselves, first of all, they need to see how it looks like and they need to have yeah. it in abundance. First of all, you need to be able now. I, I took a lot of studies quite some, some time ago, about 10 years yeah. ago. I had a tendency of reading and studying, you know, how certain people uh, have reached where they are. And I would go back to their beginning. For example, I'll, look at, I'll give an example of Bill Gates. I, I studied his, his, his humble beginning, not of the business, but of his life. You will realize that at nine years old, this is a gentleman who is able to actually play games. Uh, first of all, start out by playing video games. And because those days, those, the video games of, of back in the days were not just an easy uh, joystick. It was, you had to be able to actually program it yourself for, your act, for you to be able to play it. So yeah. it meant that you needed to have knowledge in-depth of how to use a computer for you to play. So it was the availability of, a, of an item that made him like actually that. play with it a little bit more and then yeah. taking him to a level where he can be able to, 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 to dissect it and tweak it and make it into what he wants it to become. So I would like to mention that yeah. that's the direction. So if we could have people on that side who have opportunities, yeah. donating spare parts, don't, yeah. instead of just sending clothes, send spare parts. Send, yeah. you know, send tools, send utensils, send all these things to a particular small school somewhere. Start small. Yeah. Don't, like don't try to go everywhere. You can't do that. Start mm. small. Uh, choose a particular school somewhere. Dedicate your life towards it. Make sure that this, you know, right now I was telling you, the policies are changing. Things are, are getting better. We have what government has done, which is called STEM. You know, they have created STEM schools now. They are trying to foster for this kind of innovation, but they can't do it alone. Uh, so my advice okay, is I don't want to be I think fired. I could please. come and do that. Yeah. Good. yeah, I don't want <laughs> to be fired. I'm done. But... <laughs>
But yeah. I, I don't know where my time has gone, uh, Patricia and to have <laughs> question here. And we are going yeah. to uh, make sure we, we follow up that even a container, Christmas, we, we just find some of these things. I, I, yes. I, I like that. Yes. Next coming up is uh, Travel Travel Africa. Travel Africa today, we are going to be visiting Rwanda. Uh, is it Rwanda? Yeah, Rwanda in Angola. Uh, my good friend, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Makumbi Kafula in Sorezi will be joining me. I told him, can you just unmute your line, uh, Ramakumbi? Your, your, your and then I'll be I'll be able to 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 see you here. Hello, Roger. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Can you and can you do your video? Can you come live in the video? Oh yes, sure. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. It's the, a pleasure to see you. How are you the, doing this afternoon? Like man. Wrong, 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 wrong. Sure. Uh, good to have Asanza. you. <laughs> yeah, good yeah. to be here too. Yeah. How is Solwezi, by the way? Well, Solwezi is uh, fine. Mm-hmm. We are just out of the rain season. We have uh, we had a few rains two days ago, uh, but these are the last rains, I believe. Uh, yeah. But generally, yeah. it's okay. Um, today, the temperatures were a bit cool, but I'm okay. sure for Canadian standards, they, that is that is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that is nothing. So yes, otherwise we are we are very fine. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Uh, in today's uh, discussion, uh, 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 Brother Kafula, we are talking about Angola. And Angola is very, very close to, to where you are. Um, a part of the series we have sta- started uh, on Travel Africa is to open up our, first maybe our psychic, uh, Brother Kafula, uh, open our psychic. It is okay to go to Angola, not only Canada, not only Britain. It is okay to go to Congo. It's like our minds are closed. So we've started the, um, uh, under the Africa continental free trade area. If we are going to open up uh, these uh, uh, trades, the people should know where they are going. So hence we started uh, uh, this show. And uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that you, you agreed to come here. Mr. Mr. Kafura is uh, uh, Mukumbi. Mr. Mukumbi Kafura is uh, the president of Northwestern Chamber of Commerce and Industry, and a good friend of uh, good friend of mine. So, welcome, my brother, once again. Thank you so much. Okay. So, why don't we start uh, to see a video uh, about Angola? Maybe the Angola we don't know, the Angola we don't see. Uh, here is uh, the video, and then we will discuss uh, on the other side. Luanda, the capital of Angola, is a port city on the west coast of Southern Africa. With a population of more than 6 million, Luanda is the world's most populous Portuguese-speaking capital city. The city is on Angola's Atlantic coast. Its current renaissance is a truly inspiring success story. In recent history, the center of decades of conflict, the start of the 21st century has seen a massive boom in construction in Rwanda, where peace and stability have attracted numerous foreign companies to invest in offices in the city. The government of Angola, getting rich of revenue from oil, diamond, and other natural resources, 
is also investing heavily in and around Luanda, including large social housing high-rises to replace slums. Major improvements are being made to roads, highways, and the rail system in and around the city, but there is yet an overwhelming amount of work to be done. And while certainly still home to a large poor population, free housing and the creation of thousands of new jobs each year means that Luanda may in years to come have a bright future ahead. Luanda is an industrial center. Manufacturing industries include beverage, automotive products, and cement. Petroleum was discovered nearby in 1955, and there is a refinery at the north end of Luanda Bay. First question, Alankundi, uh, is, uh, is this the kind of Luanda you have in mind or Luanda you know? Well, uh, first of all, let me once again thank you for uh, <laughs> inviting me to, to this very important uh, program. I would like to commend you. I, I believe you are, you are doing a tremendous job by you know, coming up with very important and very uh, progressive topics, uh, which I believe we just need to, to nurture and begin to, to apply some of these things that, that we discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, now, talking about Luanda, is this the kind of place that we envisage? Uh, first of all, let me say that uh, Luanda, Angola, is is a kind of place where we have had a lot of con- conversations around uh, with officials from Angola themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an Angolan consul, consulate right here in Solesi, and we have had uh, a lot of meetings with them. Um, and I believe that uh, because of those conversations, they have opened up our minds with regards to what Angola really is about, the opportunities Mm. that are in Angola. And uh, a few years back, about three, four years ago, we had a team from uh, Solesi led by the Chamber of Commerce, which Mm. actually undertook a trade mission into Angola. And, uh, you know, the trade mission was quite challenging because they had to use uh, the footpaths that side, you know, to drive their vehicles. And it was was adventure uh, until they reached Luanda a very interesting city, uh, which is quite a good place. But of course, it, it has great potential to become the kind of city that it has. From the video that we have seen, it, it talks a lot because uh, the video is showing us that Luanda is uh, a port city with a population of about 6 million people. That is a huge population uh, because some countries have 6 million people, but that is just one, one town. And uh, it is actually an industrial center and we have heard of, uh, you know, the, the petroleum that, that we are manufacturing. And these are some of the products that we as, as Zambia would like to begin to procure from them instead of getting it from as far as where we are getting it from at the high cost and so forth. So, yes, we have had con- con- conversations regarding what we can get from Rwanda, what we can get from Angola, and what the Angolans can actually get from the Zambia. One of one of the things I, I saw Wakafula uh, is um, uh, Rwanda, uh, Rwanda, or actually Angola, has uh, the second longest border with uh, with Zambia. Yes. And yet the two countries, which is Congo, the highest, at one thousand, uh, at almost two thousand, the border, and Rwanda at one thousand uh, one hundred, are the ones where we are not even very close with. Uh, I don't know if I should say close with. We are not very open with them, uh, especially with the 
with, with, uh, with, uh, with, with Congo. But talk to us again about the access to, to Rwanda from, from Zambia to, to Congo, from, oh, apologize, to Angola. Uh, how easy is it? How do you get to Angola uh, from where you are in northwestern province to Angola? Well, actually, that's, that's a very interesting question because what you have brought out is what everyone is wondering about when, uh, you know, Angola and, and Zambia's proximity is very, very close. I can tell you that the shortest point between Zambia and Angola, which is uh, from uh, Chavuma district, that is mm-hmm. where the border with Angola is, it is only about 52 kilometers into a town that is called, uh, uh, is it uh, Lumbala? So from Chavuma to Lumbala, we only mm-hmm. have about 52 kilometers. That's not bad. But, but we do not have access roads. So meaning that you cannot drive all the way into Angola and find a city that can take you uh, to the other towns, including the capital city, Rwanda. So when we talk about access between Zambia and Angola, it is almost impossible, and you would have to fly there. And we do not have direct flights from uh, Lusaka to, uh, to Luanda, which becomes a big problem because you have to connect and go somewhere and then get there. And when coming, it's vice versa, and that becomes very expensive. It becomes very impossible for us to do trade because obviously if we have to airlift, you know, ordinary things like fruits and vegetables, that, that, that just becomes an impossibility. So infrastructure has become the biggest hindrance between the two countries. You, you also mentioned Congo. I, I'll mention it in passing, but we are focusing on Angola. Mm-hmm. Um, there is actually a lot of political will between the two countries for them to begin to do a lot of trade. But because of perhaps the history that we have, you know, Angola was uh, uh, you know, at war for quite mm. a long time. They did not really focus on creating infrastructure. I think they focused more on uh, overcoming the war and uh, starting now to reestablish themselves. And they were their closest, you know, they are at the sea coast. So meaning that their trade was mostly with uh, countries from as far as South America and so forth. But now they are feeling the pinch and they are seeing the need for them to begin to trade with neighboring countries. And that's why we have the Lobito Corridor. The Lobito Corridor project, which is uh, uh, actually being funded by the African Development Bank, has advanced because that is the corridor which goes from Zambia to Congo and to Angola. And that is actually meant to facilitate trade. So infrastructure to do with, uh, you know, trade such as border posts and everything is actually under construction. But we still have a problem because yeah. you yeah. cannot drive to Angola. Yes. You cannot take your truck and trailer full of... Uh, uh, perhaps, let me say, beef. You can't take your truck and trailer full of drinks. You can't take your truck and trailer fru- uh, uh, full of fruits and vegetables into Angola, 52 kilometers away, which is actually actually far closer. Far, yeah, it's far closer uh, compared to uh, you know the distance between Solwezi and Lesotho. Angola. Angola is very very far. So oh, wow. it is a place where you can just drive and go back. You know from Chavuma into Angola and back, because that is an area that is very, very close. But we don't have a single road. We don't have uh, a rail line there. We don't have any access between the two countries, and that has actually been the, the, the biggest hindrance. 
I, 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 I like that. Um, the, the 52 kilometers, uh, 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 like Afra, you, you talk about, uh, we, we just probably need to make some, some, some noise. Uh, even a gravel road, even a gravel road could work. Uh, because what, one, one of the other projects we need to start thinking about is to load people in buses, go to at least the nearest uh, uh, city, uh, go and visit, go and see, and ex- have exchange uh, have exchange programs. They, they also come to, to Solwezi, although Chavuma is very far. Is there no other way to come to Solwezi? Chavuma is way, wow, wow, way far there. There's no other way they can connect either than longer there. Well, there is um, a shorter way that they can use through Minunga, but of course we, we also need to work on, uh, on the road infrastructure. The road is actually very, very yeah. bad and impassable especially yeah. during, the, uh, during the rain season. Yeah. But then uh, coming to the, the very interesting thing that you have brought about uh, is that, uh, uh, you know, we need to begin to uh, facilitate that people begin to visit Angola and vice yeah. versa so that they can, they can begin to see business opportunities. I must say that uh, we have some uh, agreements, you know, some uh, uh, agreement of which talk about cooperation between Zambia and Angola. Uh, mm-hmm. We had one, the first one, which was signed in uh, 20, uh, 2008 between the Zambian government and the Angolan government. So the, the, the president of Angola himself signed that agreement. And that agreement is actually aimed at, you know, trying to spear ahead and to facilitate trade between the two countries. But nothing much has moved. And uh, we also have some other mini agreements, such as the Transport and Infrastructure Agreement that was signed recently. And I must say that uh, because of the fiscal challenges that the two countries, Zambia and Angola, are facing, nothing much has happened. Therefore, in the recent past, we had about two to three months ago, a delegation of Angolan business people that traveled all the way to Lusaka, and uh, they are saying, we are willing to, to partner with, with Zambian businesses. Mm-hmm. They would like now to, uh, with the facilitation, of course, of the two countries, of the two governments, they would like to have some public-private partnership agreements or arrangements right. where right. now some top Zambian businesses can team up with uh, top Angolan businesses who are ready now to start road construction, uh, put up other facilities along the roads, such mm. as toll gates, uh, such as uh, toilet facilities, restaurants, and all those other things. So I was uh, uh, called upon by the Angolan Konshu uh, a, a few weeks ago, and they wanted information about the contact people, for instance, at the mine. So I gave them contacts for Kanfanshi Mine and Kalumbila Mine, set them up to have meetings, because they're going around the country, visiting the corporate world, and just mm. selling the idea of entering into these PPPs, so yes. that... Uh, perhaps we can see an interest of uh, some of those companies which feel that we can invest or we can partner in maybe a road or we can partner in some infrastructure along the road, such as warehouses and so yeah. on and so forth. Uh, and that would actually ultimately open up the route and these companies will actually begin to uh, you know, benefit from the investments that are going to spring up because of, of that stretch. So we are anticipating that Perhaps in the next few years, we will we, we, we begin to see or we begin to hear that roads are being constructed. So the road from Chavuma, you know, up to uh, Lumbala, 
We expect it to be constructed by the private sector uh, so that they can find a way in which they can maybe recoup their costs, maybe through targets and so forth. And once that route is opened up, we believe that we're going to have a lot of traffic. Uh, we are going to have a lot of uh, uh, trade opportunities. We, we can get, there are things we can get from Angola cheaply. Um, because I remember attending uh, the Angolan independence celebrations. They were held right here in Solwezi, and uh, the, the Angolan ambassador himself came. And in his speech, he lamented and he said, why doesn't Zambia export maize to Angola? We are getting, you know, grain from as far as South America. Why doesn't Zambia get crude oil from us? Because you know, that is actually a commodity that we are manufacturing. Yes. Why can't the two countries actually, you know, begin to trade at that high level, um, uh, you know, platform? And so there are a lot of these questions, and uh, I think there are a lot of initiatives, but we need to put in a lot of energy. Like you rightly said, I think we still need to make a lot of constructive and positive noises around that so that we can actually stimulate and push the people that are charged with that responsibility to you know, speed up the process of facilitating the trade between the two countries. We need water transport to be um, made easily accessible. We need rail transport to be made easily accessible. We need cargo transport to be made readily available. And that is the only way that we can have uh, you know, the two countries trading. The trade volumes would actually be so big because uh, the information that we got from the ambassador of Angola was mm. that they are spending in excess of over half a billion dollars per annum in food imports only. So now Zambia needs to begin to ask itself this question to say, how much of that half a billion dollars do we want? That is the question we need to ask. That's so fine. That's peace. What, yeah. How much do we want? Because mm. the Angolans are saying, we want you, Zambia, to be the ones supplying us with millimil, supply us with... Uh, uh, you know, chicken. chicken. We are getting yeah. frozen chicken. So they don't have fresh chicken because their chicken comes all the way from Brazil, Argentina, and it's frozen because it has to travel for a month on the sea. They don't have fresh food, so they would like to get fresh food that is going to be cheaper. And they would like um, also the Zambian businesses, and of late, uh, in a few months' time, we heard also that uh, there are about three, four uh, major investors that have been given land in Angola. That is a positive step. So they are, the Angolans are encouraging Zambians to go into Angola, acquire farming land, so that they can begin to do some commercial activities in that area. So the two countries indeed are really now trying to walk the talk. Uh, mm. We are closest to each other. We are supposed to have more trade volume between Zambia and Angola, bypassing the trade volume between Zambia and South Africa because they are a bit far. And of course, with uh, the Africa continental free trade area. We need to start repositioning ourselves as, as the two countries because definitely we have a lot of opportunities that we can explore. The list is endless, but I think it begins with the infrastructure and that has actually been uh, the main hindrance so far. Okay, Nathan, Nathan has a, a question here. We are in the dying moment here. Yeah. Quick, 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 just a very quick question. What is the state of the Benguela Railway? Where, how far, where does it run from? from Angola into Zambia. Is it operational? Um, not, as, not as far as I know. The Benguela Railway is, is not operational because 
you know, apparently our rail system uh, in the country has not really been functioning well. So um, I, I think it is something that we also need to repair. And that is why the, both ministers of uh, transport for Zambia and Angola had to sign an agreement recently. And that is actually aimed at, you know, trying to uh, either rehabilitate some infrastructure which has been dilapidated and also to come up with fresh infrastructure. And that is also going to include the rail line, um, roads plus water transport. Okay, Titus here is asking why is the man not the councillor or MP for Chavuma? This man is from Torrezi. What's wrong with you, Titus? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, from. Well, uh, I'm, I'm from the Chamber of Commerce. So, uh, from the Chamber I, is the I, president. I think, yes, yeah. I, be, I believe that uh, we, we, we have our, our comfortable spaces that we can, we can contribute you know, to, to the economy without necessarily being in parliament. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so that is we can speak for Chabuma as well, just like we yeah. can speak for any other part of the province. Listening to you, Agafura, um, uh, I, I hope members of uh, diaspora, especially, we can also uh, step up uh, in, in that uh, uh, private partnership, uh, be part of the uh, the partnership uh, to create a road. If there is a bond, they created. Uh, a, a, I don't know if it's a municipal bond or a country bond and we contribute to that. Congo is a rich country. There's a lot of money. Oh, Congo, is it Angola? It's a rich country. We, I mean, people could have a, a very good return. Uh, lastly, as, as you go, um, yeah, your comments to that. Is this something I think you, you can also start to look at uh, as far as uh, so the partnership is, uh, is, is concerned? We put in our one cent here in, in diaspora. Uh, you know, be part of this. What you have brought up uh, Roger is something that is very, very important, and it is something that is actually at, at my at my heart. Mm. Uh, I will talk about Angola and and Congo at the same time uh, in the remaining minutes that that I have, because these are two countries where we have been having conversations with. We undertook a trade mission. We take we took a trade mission to Congo uh, mm -hmm. in Lubumbashi last year in October, and we had a meeting with uh, the government officials. It is the same language that the Angolans are speaking. They are willing to do business with us. They are inviting Zambians to become aggressive. So we need a lot of aggression. So now, talking about our colleagues in the diaspora, I think you are playing a very important role of linkages. And mm -hmm. I would like to appeal to Zambians in the diaspora to, uh, first of all, partner with the Zambian business community. There are different channels that you can do that. One of the ways is to partner with the chamber movement. We have the Zambia Chamber of Commerce, national level, a very vibrant chamber of commerce here in Northwestern province. I like uh, that. Which, yeah, which I believe we can utilize. So the chamber has a very, very active and interactive website. You can visit us, okay. www.northwesternchamber.org. Visit us, send comments. We are coming up with an investment desk as a chamber. Oh, right. What we want to do, yes, what we want to do is we want to provide information with regards to what is available in Northwestern province, what is available in the neighboring countries with Northwestern province, and how you can go about partnerships. So we are there. We are willing to run around for those who are interested in investing in Zambia in the diaspora 
and you want an authentic path because it's, it's not very easy to invest when you're away, but you want an authentic institution to do the running up and down for you, we can do the running up and down for you, we can go to ZDA, we can draw up some agreements, and so forth. So the Zambians in the diaspora are encouraged. You don't necessarily have to come and stay here. You are that side for a purpose. You are that side to tap into investment uh, funds. You are that side to tap into the up-to-date information and technology. We need you there, but we need you to invest back home here so that we can have you know, uh, credible partners who are going to really drive the investments down here. So coming up with um, investment partnerships is very welcome. We would mm. like Zambians in the diaspora to be part and parcel of constructing roads between Zambia and Angola. That's number yeah. one. Yeah. I number like that. two, I like, I really we would that. like to replicate what is happening at Kasumbalesa. You know, Kasumbalesa border is a marketplace where Zambians take their produce to that wholesale center. And the Congolese come and procure those, that stuff, you know, no matter how much it is or no matter how many goods you take to Kasumbalesa, you are sure that they will be consumed and taken into the Congo because the road is accessible. We want to replicate a Kasumbalesa, you know, at Chavuma border. So Zambians in the diaspora, let's partner together. Let's create, let's get land. Let's make shops. Let's make warehouses. Let's make farms near that area so that when the road to Angola is done, we'll have a launch pad where we are going to get our goods from, you know, the Chavuma area into Angola. And that's actually a multi-billion, a multi-billion dollar industry that we can actually uh, partake in. So we are there to facilitate, um, you know, every groundwork. Uh, please get in touch with me. I'm sure Mr. Roger will be able to share with the Zambians in the diaspora um, all our details. If they need uh, my phone number, I'm available. They need my email address, I can share that. Um, but we are willing to share information. We had an expo in 2019 in uh, Northwestern province. So we can give you information about mm -hmm. all the 11 districts. What is doable in Tabuma, what is doable in Zambezi, what is doable in Solezi. Everywhere we have all that data. So all you have to do is tell us, I want information on this and this, and we can, instead of you spending a lot of money on feasibility studies, it, it, is, it is actually information that is readily available, yeah. and we are willing to partner with you. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Bakurumpe, thank you so much uh, again for, for your time, and we shall definitely be uh, coming to you. I like uh, the, the task which you have given us. Thank you so much, uh, and have a good weekend, whatever is remaining. Thank you, Bakurumpe. Thank you so much, Wakurumpe. It's been a yeah. pleasure speaking to you. And thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank Wonderful. You. That is uh, uh, Mr. Mukumbi Kafula. He's uh, the president of Northwestern Province Chamber of Commerce. Coming up next is my friend uh, here, um, uh, Chasaya Chirimat. I apologize, my friend. Uh, they, the time is just flying on me, and the staff are not being covered, but we'll do our best in the remaining time. I hope you are doing well. You said you're not doing so well. Yeah, uh, what, yeah I'm okay. I think it's just a sore throat. I'm fine. Sore. You know, I yeah. think I was on calls on, in Zambia in the morning, so I thought my voice had gone, but uh, I'm good. <laughs> can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear definitely. Uh, yeah, hear no, I, I'm um, good. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm just, I just get worried usually, but yeah, I'm like that. Yeah, yeah, you, there's no need to worry. 
are on the light a lot again? Uh, on the lighter note. Yeah, on the lighter note. music. Yeah. After after all else is done, we have to have music. (laughs) Have to have some music. Have to dance, baby. Yeah. We we have to dance. Sasaya is a good friend of mine. Sasaya is an artist and music industry expert. And uh, every week, uh, probably, if it's it's possible, he's going to be picking up the best song of the week. I didn't understand that song of yours that you picked up, Sasaya. Until the editing, the editor's board, they convinced me it was the hottest song of, uh, in the country. I was surprised. Whoa, who listens to this music? Who is that guy, by the way, before I play the song? It's not a guy. It's a deal, Chanda and K. Chanda Chand- and K, two boys yeah. from Chimwemwe, a rap artist. They just... Uh, Chimwemwe, uh, Kitwe. Chimwemwe, you know, and when I think about Chimwemwe, I always remember that... Uh, multi-story complex. I used to go there almost 30 years ago, and the vision of that man, Mr. Kamunga, like... Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Are you telling me? That boy is from Uchimemo. Oh, Those wow. boys, don't say that boy. It's, it's two boys, Chandanake. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll yeah, okay. They just have something, and, and, and they're really bringing... I think for me, they optimize what youth should be doing, just yeah. people who come from the streets, Yes. had fought, and they got together. And their story is quite amazing for me, how they got together. They've had battles against each other, with other people, and then they just say, let's do something together, and people picked, picked up on it. So, yeah. Yeah. Why don't, we play, why don't we play the song? And then you, you, yeah. Then how about Nyoli Nyoli? <laughs> and then we are going to talk, uh, going to talk about Here is the song. language, uh, dancing, uh, and, and, and what I really love is just the, the visual presentation because part of what, what the song is about is one aspect of music. Okay. What it can convey to you, the listener, is another aspect. And this is where international uh, appeal comes in because I don't have to understand the language at times. I just have to understand, does the beat appeal to me? I'm bopping. You know, in Zambia we say, Vina... And if you can have that, to me that's a big deal. Okay. <laughs> 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 I'm even asking you whether I can dance. 
You, you want me to give you some moves in a minute? Hey! That's so, Nathan, even, even Pastor Nathan, can you? Can you? Yeah, I got some. Some. Um, the, the, ah. Was that short that the what's the name of that building? Kamunga. Eh? Kamunga. Kamunga building. Is that Kamunga building, Chesaya? No, the, the, where the video was shot, I have no clue. I have no clue. You see, the thing is, Roger, even the colors in the background, yeah, they're, they're good. That's like Chesaya is saying, international standards, you know. Talking about this in English is a waste of time. Ikali. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I, I actually the, the bishop who came on us and show said it was uh, his birthday, so we wish him uh, uh, well. Uh, I, I actually even took time that I had to just listen to uh, a lot of uh, uh, this. Um, this week we are also talking about all these uh, young men. Uh, how do we help them uh, out? Uh, like we said last week, our friends in South Africa. I was looking at his views right now. He's at quarter of a million. I hope he hits uh, a million since a lot of people uh, uh, like it. Um, what do we do uh, to push a lot of uh, these What we men? do is what we're doing right now. Like, I, I really love yeah. uh, the space that uh, like you guys have done so much. You know, but, yeah. but this is what we do. This is where we start. Because what that means also is we are accountable. Like when we say we are we're going to do this. I think we, we in, our, in our own small way, I think we have, mm-hmm. we, we have like connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have platforms that other people don't necessarily have. Yeah. And uh, back home. So it's really about also pushing them and also making them understand I like that, that um, you know, being international, it's, it's not a one-day thing. You know, these things have to be, you have to work at it. They have to yes. have management. But also, the one thing I'm very happy about is one of the, uh, one of the Jew has actually gone to university, which is also very good because what that also does is just education is a big part of it, and we help them understand how things here work. So what we're doing now is very good. It's a step in the right direction. I, 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 I like that. Um, we also talked in the past week, uh, Chasaya, about um, uh, the talent in the, in the school, the talent in the uh, do, do we have programs uh, like in America, here in Canada, in, in the schools, for music? I, I don't know. Uh, growing up uh, back in the day, if we used to have uh, uh, these. Uh, do, do we have these programs? Is there? Um, I, I don't know. No, we don't. And this is why like, I love this, this show. You and I have talked about this. What can we do? So we bring in aspects about the industry, you know, licensing, uh, artistic development. Um, promotion, marketing, and also yeah. how, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, like, empower these people to know that, you, you know, like, it, 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 here we have got schools like Juliet where somebody actually just trains. But then also for people like, like, some of us who just love music but never go to school, there should be programs where we actually can actually learn uh, to sing properly. Because, like, for me, one of the things I learned Quite late in my stage was to sing properly, how I can do my vocals, vocal training. Before I mm-hmm. just could sing anyhow. And I think what then happens is you spoil your vocals. But <laughs> a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of things to discuss. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. And those are programs, like every week we bring in stuff about what can we do 
to pop yeah. people's minds, then yeah. we have the nuggets. Just every week is always a nugget. Every week. I, I, I mean, I, I, I know, I remember uh, growing up, uh, back when I go to the village, in Dimba. Do you know in, in Dimba? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, our friends in South Africa and Zimbabwe. That's the, the yes. huge. Yeah. Right. Yes, the, it's a huge yeah. thing. The you know? So, uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I hope we can groom some mentors uh, here in the diaspora and back home. Uh, to bring up, there is so much talent. And, you know, music is, is the muzuruka. That's, yes, that's a lot of is. money. Yeah. It, is. it is. Next week, Tasaya, uh, we are going to host Tamara Ngozi. Tamara Ngozi is the daughter of uh, Paul Ngozi. Ah, the so, legend. Wow. Yes, yeah, the legend. Great. So we are hoping to have uh, a, nice, uh, a nice discussion. Last word, uh, my friend, uh, I, I, before I let you go. Last word to people at home, artists. Uh, uh, we are here. <laughs> Kwakwana, yeah. you know, when yeah. we speak, it's not like we are condemning you. Uh, we've mm. seen this before. We want you to be a better version of us. Yeah, yes, wonderful. I like it. Make like it that. go places. So, yeah. yeah, okay, Nathan, we are about to go. Yes, sir. Good uh-huh. job, Josiah, the apostle ZBTR. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Chief, don't just say Next the week. Oh, Chief. Chief. <laughs> okay, Chief yeah. Apostle. Next week, we might have a uh, public relations manager for Electoral Commission of Zambia. We're still working on that. Yeah. Stay tuned, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, next week, we'll bring you another fast movie uh, live discussion. I'm not sure what country we are visiting uh, coming weekend. Again, like I said, uh, Tani Ngozi, she'll be here talking uh, music. And uh, yeah, we'll find another African innovator, probably this time from Zambia. Have a good weekend, my friend. Get well. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. My name is Roger here in the Prairie. Have a good weekend.
Goodbye.